Well, it's so great to be with you this evening and to uh, uh, have this opportunity, this uh, privilege to speak to you tonight. Uh, occasionally, uh, Tammy and I have led in worship uh, here, so we're not totally uh, foreign to many of you, but uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Paul. And uh, my, some of my family is here, some of my family is uh, not. We're getting a little more spread out when your oldest is 20 and, and working up at a different location and, and daughters working at another place. You, just, you, you hit that stage of life where, where the nest is kind of semi-clearing, but they're all gonna, they're, they'll always come back because they don't have money for food. So uh, we know that they'll be back. So uh, just uh, as we start here tonight, I'm uh, going to be looking at Psalm 77 uh, here momentarily, but just uh, just want to uh, uh, just thank this church for your giving and your support of the ministries, not just in Saskatchewan, but around the world. Uh, we are uh, so blessed in our district office, as uh, many of our churches, uh, as you tithe to your church, your church tithes to the district, and your district tithes to the national office. And so you support ministry far and beyond what you might understand, uh, far and beyond what you might see. And so we just want to thank you uh, for your giving. You're also part of a larger family, and it's always helpful for us to know that. Uh, over 1,100 ministries in our nation uh, are part of this family that you're a part of. Uh, in Saskatchewan, there's about 60 churches that we have, and then some campus, uh, some churches have multiple uh, site ministries, some, we also have university ministries and so forth, and so uh, you're part of a larger family. It's really helpful for us to know that, uh, to remember that, and uh, just want to thank you again for your giving that way, and uh, we're excited to see what God's going to do. been a challenging year with all things covid uh, but uh, we're just believing God for continuing uh, impact in our province. Amen? Because uh, there's people that still need Jesus. And there's pe people that are still responding to the gospel. And so we want to see that happen all across our province and see the gospel go forward. So let's, uh, let's just pray here as, as we dive into God's word together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that your word is life. Your word uh, speaks to us, it comforts us, it challenges us, it changes us. And so we pray tonight, Lord, as we look into your word, Lord, that you would impact our hearts with what you want to say to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had one of those sleepless nights where your mind just wouldn't shut off? Uh, maybe it was last night for you. You're just sitting there and you're spinning. You're thinking about something. You're anxious about something. Maybe it's a work project that, that just has you going and you're thinking, how am I going to solve this issue? Or, or maybe there's a family conflict of some variety and you're, you're, you're just puzzling over it. You're, you're torn over it. Maybe there's a crisis that you're dealing with. Maybe it's something that's absolutely mindless. You don't know why you've got that song stuck in your head, but it's stuck in your head. Have you ever had that? And it just won't go away. Maybe you're up night uh, reflecting on why doesn't Tarzan have a beard? You ever thought about that? Tonight, as you sleep, why don't you think about that? Maybe it's like this comic. Go ahead and put this comic strip up from uh, the Awkward Yeti and it says, I'm so tired and the brain there, it's, 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 it's an interesting comic. It has all the different body parts are separate from the body, but I'm so tired, says the body, and the brain's 
He says to the brain, please stop thinking about every possible future scenario in our life. Brain says, don't be ridiculous. I haven't thought of every possible scenario, but don't worry. I won't rest until I do. We know what that's like when our brain just won't stop. Our brain just won't uh, leave something alone. Maybe today you're, you're kind of like Asaph here, uh, the psalmist in Psalm 77, where he seems to be having a sleepless night. And it says this, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought of the former days, the years long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. Asaph is troubled. He's, 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 he's lying there in bed. He's, he, he can't sleep. His mind is spinning. He's feeling troubled. He's distressed. His, he, he's got a burden. And, and guess what? We don't even know the cause. He doesn't say, I'm troubled about this particular situation. That's left unknown to us. Maybe it's a personal crisis. Maybe, maybe it's a national threat that's facing Israel at the time. Maybe he's burdened for a friend. But whatever the reason is, it's left him weighted, it's left him burdened, and it's left him with many questions. Verse 7 to 9, six questions all in a row. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he, has he in anger withheld his compassion? I don't normally read from the, the message, but I kind of found Eugene Peterson's paraphrase kind of funny when, when it says in verse 10 of the message, Just my luck, I said. The high God goes out of business just the moment I need him. Just my luck. God, God says, not in service at this time. Just my luck. Just, I'm, I'm just finally got off of, have you ever been on hold with something and you finally get on and then the line goes off on you? Have you ever had that delightful moment of service when, when that has happened to you? We all understand you just finally get there and, and, and it says not in service, closed at this time, better luck next time. In other words, Asaph is saying, God, where are you? God, I, I need to hear from you. God, where are you? Tell me I'm not the only person who has ever asked that. I know that I'm not. Each one here probably at some time or another has asked God, where are you? Lord, I, I'm feeling lost today. I'm, I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling alone. Life feels overwhelming. We have doubts. We have, like Asaph, questions. There was a time in my life a number of years ago, I'd finished two years of Bible school. Uh, at the time, I was a farm kid in Alberta, uh, Dad had asked me uh, if I was planning on taking the farm. And at this point, I was a couple years into Bible school. And I said, Dad, I'm, I feel God's calling me into ministry. And my brother, he also felt the call toward ministry. And my sisters weren't going to take the farm. So Dad sold the farm, moved to B.C., 
retired in, in the uh, Smokinoggin as it currently is. The uh, Okanagan really needs prayer, doesn't it? A lot of fire going on there. And uh, I was in a, an area where a fire is currently raging right now between Kamloops and Armstrong. I was working out this Okanagan Bible camp one summer. And it was a summer I'd been through these two years of Bible school. But here I was uh, at this place where I'd never felt further from God. Well, that's, that's odd, isn't it? You go to Bible school, you should be feeling closer to God. But I came out with a head full of knowledge, but my heart felt dead. And I felt so far from God. And there I am, walking one day in the sight of the mountains and amidst the woods. And, and, and in all the beauty that is around me, I felt absolutely alone and dead, troubled and burdened. And in this moment, I had questions. God... Where are you? I don't see you. I don't feel you. I feel like my prayers are, are, are not being answered. I feel like I'm just talking to the trees. Are you even there? Do you even care? And it was in this moment, in this moment of, of, of absolute puzzlement and, and burden that actually I did feel God speak to me in that moment and ask me a question. You see, there was much in my heart that I was trying to to fill a void in my life. I was trying to, 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 to be happy. I wanted somebody in my life to, to make me happy in my life. And, and, and I wanted God to answer that prayer. And, and it was in this moment that God asked me a question. He says, Paul, if I never blessed you again, if I never gave you anything, if I never met that desire of your heart, if it was just me, would I be enough for you? Can I tell you I hated that question? I did not like that question. Because, because I like the stuff. I, I, I like the blessing. I, I, like, I want God to, to meet the need. I want, I want to be happy. And God says, Paul, if it was just me, would I be enough for you? And so there I was in the midst of these trees saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. Okay, God, I'm, I'm going I'm to follow you. I can tell you in that moment that, that while, while it was a powerful moment of decision, I can tell you there was no, there was no mood music. There was, no, there was no altar for me to gather at. I was just simply in amidst these trees. And, 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 and in that moment, I didn't feel it really any different. I, I felt like nothing changed, but everything changed. Nothing changed in the moment. My problems were still there. My concerns were still there. But everything changed because I knew that God was in control. I was going to trust him. I made a commitment that day. God, I'm yours. You know, Asaph's questions were really similar to the questions I was asking. Asaph's six questions really, while they looked to be about God, let me tell you something. Asaph's questions were really about himself. It was about me. The NLT version, the New Living Translation, seems to include this mindset in its version. And I'll read this for you. Has the Lord rejected me forever? 
Will he never again be kind to me? In his unfailing love gone forever? Have, have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. God, I'm not happy with my circumstances here. I'm not happy with how you're treating me. Don't you, don't you care about what's happening to me? Don't you care about me? Are you not even listening to me? So what, what does Asaph do? Well, he had options. He could have ended the psalm right there. Psalm 77, the complaint of Asaph. That could have been it. The end. Roll the credits. We're done. Thank you very much. Asaph, just one big whiny psalm. That's how I'm feeling today. Thank you very much. Or he could have just given up and, and walked away. He could have just went off, picked up uh, his toys and went home. He could have just, just said, I'm done with this. I, I've given it a fair shake. I didn't get what I wanted. It wasn't what I was looking for. I'm going to just keep looking. Or he could have chosen anger. I've been there. Anger. This, you know what? This is God's fault. You know, God, he just doesn't care. He's not there. He's just not able. Whatever it is, God, I'm angry. But Asaph doesn't do these things. Asaph doesn't walk away. Asaph doesn't quit. Asaph doesn't just get angry and, and, and just, just rail off against God. What does Asaph do? He chooses a better question. He chooses a better question. Verses 11 through 13 read this. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? He pivots. He changes his question. He, he, he moves past self-pity and, and complaint. He lifts his eyes off of himself and his situation. And he reminds himself of what God has done and who God is. He asks a better question. Instead of these questions of, God, don't you care about me? Don't you love me? Don't, are you, have, have you forgotten the compassion to give to me? Instead, he shifts all that away and he says, what God is as great as our God. This is really a core component of what we know as, of as worship. We've, we've sung songs here tonight, wonderful songs, beautiful songs, leading us into the presence of the Lord. And I, a, a little my, of my story, I, I took a master's degree in worship ministry. I, I felt such a call and, and a gifting toward worship ministry. I love worship ministry. Now I'm now I'm a superintendent, I feel like I should have taken a degree in organizational leadership and management, but, but here I am. And I love worship ministry, but I want to tell you today that worship, while it can be musical, that portion is, is a small portion of what we would call worship. What is worship? Well, it's it can be musical, yes. It can, it, it can engage the emotions, yes, absolutely. You can get goosebumps on your favorite songs. That's wonderful. All those things are great. But I want to tell you this, that worship at its core is our response to God's revelation. 
God has revealed himself and we respond. God shows up. God shows who he is. Look throughout all of scripture and God reveals himself and men and women respond to him. You see, worship reminds us that it's about him and not us. It's about who God is. It lifts our viewpoint. See, Asaph, in this, in this moment of fear and frustration and despair and trouble and emptiness, he shifts from all that complaint, he shifts from all that burden and all that worry and all those things that are carrying him, that are keeping him up all night. He moves all those things aside and he worships. Verses 13 to 18, your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? And, and he goes on to describe this God. He goes on to speak about, about, about the greatness of this God. He says, you're the God who performs miracles. You display your power among your people. You, with a mighty arm, you redeemed your people. The descendants of Jacob and Joseph, the waters saw you, God. And, and the waters saw you and writhed. And the very depths were convulsed. And, and the clouds poured down water. How many would sure like some water these days? The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. See, I want to tell you, church, Asaph shifted. He pivoted. He moved from being overwhelmed by life to being overwhelmed by God. And the latter is far better. See, God who is awesome in his power and strength, God who, who, is, who, is, who is beyond all description, God who, who the earth even quakes and the, and the whirlwind and the water and the lightning and all these things, the awesome presence and the power of God was what Asaph really needed. He didn't think he needed that, but that was the very thing that he knew that he needed most. God, I need you. But it's here as we come near to the end of the psalm that I believe we find perhaps the crux of Asaph's worshipful prayer. You see, he started off with fear, but, but in the end, toward the end, he's moved more and more and more to declarative faith. God, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust you. You see, as he's, as he's feeling burdened and as he's seeing the weight of the impossible in the situation, somewhere in here he's just feeling like there's no way through this thing. I'm, I'm bothered by this. I'm faced with the impossible. But, but, but here he is. He's been complaining, but now he's being reminded of God's power, but also of God's provision. And in doing so, Asaph looks back. And he looks back beyond even his own timeline. He looks back beyond even his own history. He looks back to when his ancestors, the Israelites, were crying out and wondering, God, where are you? God, have you abandoned us? He looks back to Israel crossing the Red Sea. And he says, your path led through the sea your way through the mighty waters. Your, though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses. 
in Aaron, you see Asaph in this moment where, where, where he's declared the greatness of God. And, and, and he starts off, he started off thinking about all of his burden and the impossibilities. Well, guess what? He ends back with an impossible situation where God showed up. The Red Sea. If you know the story in Exodus, you know that Moses has led the people according to where God has told them to go, and they show up on the shore of the Red Sea, and, and, and there they are, and they're, they're just kind of hanging out there, and the Egyptian army starts bearing down on them, and the Israelites are saying, were there not enough graves in Egypt? Do we have to die here? They say that a few more times. They're a little worried. They're faced with an impossibility. There's trouble coming that way, but we're hemmed in by this way. We don't see a way out of this. We don't see a way forward, but guess what? The God who is able shows up. He makes a way where there is no way. He shows a path forward. Even when the people did not understand there was a possibility of forward, God shows up. Amen? The God... Who, break, who makes a way where there is no way through the Red Sea. The God who, who is faithful to provide for a people as they wander through the wilderness. Because God, you led your people like, like sheep through the wilderness, led by Moses and Aaron. 2009, my wife and I went to Egypt and Jordan. And we had the opportunity to, to explore uh, some of the area, both of, of Egypt, but then we crossed the Suez Canal and we made our way into the Sinai Peninsula. And uh, I don't know if any of you were, were Sunday school kids that sat in, in classrooms and they had, they had flannel boards. I'm like, this is, some of you kids are like, flannel boards? What on earth is that? Oh, let me tell you, it was our PowerPoint. I mean, it was... It was like the world came alive on the flannel board. I mean, you, you just, you, all you had to do was stick the little character up there on the flannel board, and it was like, you're, you are with Moses in the wilderness. But every time that we had those flannel boards, it was always these, these nice little rounded desert dunes and all that. But as Tammy and I were out there, we realized just how rocky and mountainous the area is and how inhospitable it is. To imagine a multitude of millions of people wandering through these valleys, it's pretty hard to, to, to see how that would happen, but, but God provides. And this is what Asaph remembers. He's remembering back, and he says, God, you made a way where there was no way. You provided when there was no provision. In all of Asaph's questions, Wondering if God had rejected him, abandoned him, forgotten him. When he felt that there was no way forward, he reminds himself that he trusts a God who makes a way where there is no way. He reminds himself that he follows a God who leads people through wildernesses. He reminds himself that there is no God great as our God. Amen? As we close, I want to share a story here tonight. Probably no story of suffering, of struggle, of questions, and yet of incredible faith do I know of than that of Betsy and Corey Ten Boom. Convicted of sympathizing with and harboring Jews during World War II in Holland, they, came, they along with their father had been arrested, sent to prison. Eventually, Corey and Betsy were, were transferred to Ravensbrück, 
concentration camp where they endured brutal conditions. Their living quarters were, were foul-smelling barracks with overflowing toilets and no beds, just these wooden structures. I think I have a picture of that for you. And they would sleep in these rooms topped with straw, these, these wood platforms topped with straw, swarming with fleas. And Eric Metaxas, in his book, Seven Women, he writes this. He says, Corey was horrified. But Betsy, as usual, responded with patience. She reminded Corey of the scriptures that they had read just that morning. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Well, Betsy urged Corey to join her in doing what the Bible said in the verse, even though, and perhaps especially because, it ran counter to what anyone would have wanted to do. She asked Corey to join her in thanking God for everything in the barracks, for their Bible, for the fact that they were jammed into a building designed for 400 people, but now held 1,400 people, to even thank God for fleas. That was too much for Corey. She told her sister, Betsy, there's no way even God can make me thankful for a flea. But Betsy insisted she knew that for devout believers in Jesus, doing this was an act of purest obedience, to do what God said in the Bible. It was therefore an act of worship. What harm could come out of obeying God and worshiping him? So Corey relented and begrudgingly thanked God for fleas. Strangely, a little while later, when the sisters would, would, would hold their worship services at night, the ever-present guards would never come near them or make any effort to stop them. And soon the sisters found out why. One day, Betsy asked the supervisor to come into the barracks, answer a question for her. You see, she had grown quite weak, and she wasn't able to work as the other women would, so she was put together work, uh, to work making knitting socks for soldiers. She had become confused about sock sizes and thought maybe the supervisor could answer the question, but the supervisor wouldn't step through the door, neither would the guards. And Betsy explained to Corey afterwards, she said, you know why? Because of the fleas. Betsy, Betsy knew it. Corey now remembered Betsy had pushed her to thank God even for fleas, and even now suddenly she could see God's hand in that prayer too. My friends, I don't know where you're at tonight. Maybe you're facing many questions. Many questions that, that you don't have the answer to. They're, they're, they're stressful. They're causing you anxiety. They're troubling you. You're feeling burdened by it. You don't know the way forward. There does not seem to be a way. You're faced with your own Red Sea. You're faced with your own wilderness. Can I encourage you, just like Asaph, to pivot, to shift, to move from your questions, God, don't you love me? Don't you care about me? Don't you have any compassion for me? Lord, have you gone out of business on me? To shift from that to saying, who is as great as my God? What God is as great as my God? To be like Betsy, just, just crazy enough to, to praise God and thank him for fleas.
See, it's in this moment, in the hard moments of life, maybe even in the good moments of life, that we have a choice. You have a choice, just like Asaph did. You have a choice. Every day you have a choice, just like I did, walking in the mountains, walking amidst the woods. You have a choice in that moment. Am I enough for you? Will you trust me? Is, Is my arm too short? God's asking the question. How will you respond tonight? Will you stand with me? We're going to close in prayer here, and and the worship team is going to lead us in worship. And tonight, my encouragement to you is to truly worship, to thank God in the midst of your situation. That the, that the questions that weigh on you and the, and, and, and the oppositions that you face, can you begin to pivot? Can you begin to shift? Can you begin to see them instead of through the eyes of, of anxiety and fear and apprehension, can you begin to shift to faith tonight? Say, God, I'm going to believe you that you're going to make a way because there's no God as great as my God. Father, I thank you, Lord, tonight for this word that, that is given to us through, through your servant Asaph that encourages us all these years later to be mindful, Lord, that, that, that if our eyes are on ourselves, it's, it's always going to cause us anxiety and stress. We're always not going to be enough. We're always going to be faced with more questions than not. But only one question really matters. What God is as great as you, God? And so I pray, Lord, in this moment, Tonight, as, we, as we've been challenged by your word and as we enter into this time now of worship and response to you, Lord, that you would, that you would still our, our anxious thoughts. Lord, that you would, that you would take the, the burdens from our shoulders. That you would bring peace to, to minds here tonight, Lord God, that have just been spinning and spinning and spinning and seeking and questioning. God, would you answer tonight? Because there is no God like you. A God who is able to meet us in our need in this now, in this moment. A God who can make the way through our Red Sea, who can provide in our wilderness. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.